Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Biomass. I want to thank you for joining us today, either through our stream on Twitch or on the website, or if you're catching us on a recording through the website or through iTunes. So uh, we got a big long list today of stuff to talk about, so we're going to get through this pretty quickly with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. Hi, I'm Soraya Zell. Um, I am the one person here with a VR headset in our in our cast, and that, that makes me special. You are special. All right, Bate, go ahead. Hey everybody, what's up? I'm Bait, and um, yeah, I don't do anything. He does absolutely nothing, but he does come on the show every Sunday and, and sometimes right. says things. That's, that's, that's good. And uh, as our one of our favorite guests coming back, Jadik. Introductions, man. Hello, I'm Jadik Menaheim, um, part-time DEA agent forced into early retirement <laughs> because of bureaucracy. <laughs> Oh, man, yeah, well, we'll get to that in a second. And, of course, I am Pokey Draven. Uh, I help host the show here, I write for the blog, all that good stuff. But uh, back to Jadik. Do you want to tell us a bit about your, your second job that you've been you've been doing on EU Online? <laughs> well, I dabbled in a little bit. Uh, in the, uh, the fall, or the kind of the run-up to Ascension, uh, I decided to queue up some new uh, accounts. And one of them, I created a, uh, a character that began to take the shape of... Uh, um, the actor who plays Javier Pena on Narcos, the Netflix series. And then I decided to kind of take it in the direction of uh, scanning people for drugs and making sure nobody was doing drugs, illegal substances in New Eden. And it kind of uh, unra unraveled from there and turned into its own little story that uh, I put together in a post for uh, uh, the Eve subreddit. And then <laughs> that story got picked up by PC Gamer. It was actually funny because as I'm, I'm digging through news and stuff for the show throughout the week and I, I find this article and I'm, I'm reading through it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is pretty funny. So this is something like Janik would do. And then I get to the next line and then it saw your name. I was like, oh, OK, well, I guess <laughs> I guess we know who we're talking to. then. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty hilarious. I've got stuff up on the stream right now showing your your character. And, and you did a pretty good job making him look just like the, the, the character in the show, I have to say. I ended up having a couple of, uh, gave him some aviators down the line. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, that's the beauty of Eve. It's a sandbox that you can just throw yourself right into and start making stories. And the, the, the thing that really just kind of surprised me the most was how people were receptive to me playing this character. Because um, I ended up making a, a community initiative, quote unquote, where people would turn in their uh, crash boosters um, and then I would give them Galentian planetary vehicles, which you can't do shit with. <laughs> but the, the, the initiative was called Crash for Cars. And as soon as I put up the contract for someone to give me their drugs, four minutes later, someone accepted it. <laughs> got their cars and I got, got their, their drugs. And I got their drugs. <laughs> but it seems like I, I may have uh, encroached into the narco territory a little bit. Because later on, someone ended uh, sending me Don Rico's head. <laughs> yeah, Don Rico was uh, uh, infamous for his dealings in the Pleasure Hub, so I, I believe that was a sign to to watch out for these uh, these underlings. Well, so just just <laughs> no. ask what what are you gonna do with all the drugs? <laughs> well, um, I uh, on the side I am doing some some activities in wormhole space, so this might uh, help enhance that. <laughs> 
Yep. So basically, yep. what he's saying is, is, is you've been running a uh, a scam on how to get free drugs <laughs> under the guise of being at the E agent in a yep, yep, spaceship yep, game. Yep, I, I got gotcha. you. Yep. Okay. It, it didn't last too long though, because I ended up getting a, a, a letter from uh, CCP, the one of the game masters, saying I was impersonating a Concord agent, and they ended up changing my name. <laughs> but it was fun while it lasted. That's that's kind of really? sad, but that's I kind of sad, but I like. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I survived a a stretch, I think, the, the criminals, but I couldn't outrun the long arm of bureaucracy. Uh, it's a tragic tale, but that, that's absolutely fantastic. And like you said, that Eve Online offers a really interesting, you know, uh, venue for for open open ended stories of, of people who can make their own characters or impersonate other ones, and and have some stuff that you know exists outside the normal gameplay. Which is this is a great example of that. So it's it's great that you you put this together. You do a lot of cool stuff like this, and the fact that PC Gamer picked it up is is even better. So you know that that is pretty neat stuff. Uh, all right, so. Anything else on that before we move on, Janik? Um, no, that was uh, that was about it for his story. About it for his. All right. Well, we'll be sure to keep the listeners uh, up on any other further uh, shenanigans that you guys may be pulling off in Eve because this this is pretty good stuff. So we'll we'll be sure to keep up with that. Uh, but moving along, so Zell, as you said in your introductions, you now own a VR headset. So tell us about it. Yeah. So um, I picked up the uh, the five uh, during uh, a Black Friday sale. And, um, it's, so the first and foremost thing that I have to say is it comes with a crud ton of stuff. It is, it is full of stuff. There is so much stuff in this box. I don't know what to do with it all. Um, and, uh, they, they, it's very complete. There are actually not one, not two, but five different things that plug into power outlets that come in this box. If that gives you an idea. Um, I, I honestly, if anything, the only thing it may be missing is a um is like a power strip um i think they should have put one in the box um kind of kidding but they really did put a point to put like everything in here the only thing that they asked you to have or that you needed to have otherwise is like a tape measure because they they do ask you to set your your headset on a table when calibrating it and tell them how high the table is off the floor and then they didn't give me any way to measure that but i have a tape measure so we're good. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of cables, a lot of stuff. I mean, they, they even like the two, um, the Vive controllers are uh, micro USB charged devices, and they include two micro USB chargers, even though everybody probably has 50 already. Um, so I, you know, it was kind of weird. They provided two separate chargers for that rather than maybe one connect one charger that would charge both. Um, but I had a little bit of time to play around with it. Um, I haven't I haven't spent a lot of time with it yet. Um, but uh, you know, I tried out the lab, which is Valve's kind of demo um, thing. Um, and I tried out. Uh, I did play Gunjack on it, which I, I had played on like Gear VR before, and I had already bought Gunjack on Steam, so I was able to play that. Um, I'm trying to remember what else I did. Oh, and I tried I tried this app called Big Screen, which lets you. Um, put your screen in in vr space and and use it um and so my my first impressions are that um it's the resolution is still nowhere near good enough it still feels like it's got a screen door effect it's got the same resolution as a, as the current oculus rift um and it's still it just doesn't feel like it's enough um I, I see where the technology is going. I think it's cool. I'm going to get to try some games. I'm going to review a bunch of stuff uh, here on the show. Um, but as much as I like the technology, there is still so far that it needs to go. 
Um, there's that you know when you see the trailers and stuff, it gives you this idea that you're you're gonna be like you're standing in this virtual world. It doesn't feel like that because it's got a field of view of 110 degrees. Um, you, it's more like looking through a port, like a porthole into a, a 3D world. Um, you know, it, it's always very clear that you're surrounded by this big black border, which is known as the rest of the, you know the the sides of the headset. Um, and that's that's the same field of view for both the Oculus and the uh, the Vive. Um, there's a couple. There's like a third party one that claims to be like 210 degree field of view. Um, but obviously, it doesn't uh, have a lot of support for stuff for it because it's you know it's it's some other company's headset. Um, so that was the biggest disappointing thing to me was I didn't feel like it was miles ahead of the VR headsets that I'd tried before. Um, in terms of the actual um display, um, I haven't gotten to play with the room scale stuff yet, but um, I love the Vive controllers. They're they're fantastic. That that's the first and foremost thing. They are the greatest thing ever. They're cool. Yeah, I got to uh, demo it at my college a little while back, and I, I, it was a, a smaller room-scale demo that they had of the lab and the painting demos and whatever they had connected to Steam. But uh, yeah, it, it, it felt it felt good. Um, the, the cable situation was certainly an issue, um, and I did like smash one of the controllers into the wall because I, I even though I was close to the... Um, uh, I felt like I, the the chaperone system that they have in order to kind of give you a sense of how close you are to objects. It didn't quite match up to my arm length. <laughs> yeah. So um, the 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 cool thing is the Vive controller's replication in the virtual world is is perfect. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And um, uh, you know, even like I was just playing with the controller, uh, the controller demo for a while, which literally it's a it's a portal themed room. And you have buttons that push um, that you you push the button and it it uh, inflates a balloon out of your head out of your your controller, and then you have the trigger button fires like a laser beam, and so you can like inflate a balloon, knock it around, knock it somewhere around the room with your controller, and then shoot it with a laser. And I was just having fun with that for a while. That was that was kind of amusing. <laughs> that was um, great, yeah. And uh, so I really like the controllers. Um, if you've read up at all on how like the Vive tracking system Lighthouse works, it's actually really cool. Um, they have so the the two beacons they have you place in in the room are um, they have they they literally have mechanical parts. You don't you don't think like it would, but it does. They have big spinning wheels inside their these beacons um, because they project laser planes um, at like and a full rotation of vertical and horizontal planes out of both beacons takes eight milliseconds so those lasers are flying around your room all the time um and then all based on the timing that those lasers get hit or hit these different the sensors covering the uh the headset and the controllers is how they figure out they triangulate where exactly your controller and your headset is um it's really cool yeah i mean my experience with with vr i've only done the uh PlayStation VR, I've done the uh, Samsung Gear, and obviously the the original Oculus DK1 uh, dev kit. And you know, when I first tried the the Oculus Rift DK1, I was kind of like, "Holy shit, VR!" Like I I had never done it before, so I didn't really think too much about you know resolution. Um, and then I tried the Gear VR, and it was like, "Okay, well, it's a phone, so I'm expecting it to look kind of grainy." And then I put on the PlayStation VR, and I knew it was the lower tier, but I was still kind of like, "Oh." 
this is a this is a lot grainier than I thought it would be. And you know, it was kind of like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. And that's kind of what helped me me hold back on buying it. And I knew that obviously Oculus and, and Aviv are um, higher resolution, but kind of like you said, I feel like the tracking is great. Like the tracking overall is fantastic for these these you know, hand controllers and the head. I mean, everything feels great. It feels intuitive in that regard, but. The resolution of these screens is just, I don't know, it's just not quite there yet. Um, it just, like, so you can still see, I mean, it's, you know, when you've got a TV across the room or, or sitting across your desk, you can get away with, you know, kind of a bit of graininess because it, it blurs, you know, just from, from distance. But when your eyes are, you know, like less than an inch away from the screen, you really notice every little tiny bit of, of you know, granularity in the display. And I think that the, the technology may not be quite there yet to really truly give like a like a real feeling of this is real, you know, this is like a true resolution of, of what your eyes would see normally. It's just, it's not quite there yet, which is disappointing, but expected. I mean, this is still the first generation of, of VR taking off. So, you, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make it a pass, but this is why I was telling people, you know, you might want to hold off and, and wait on picking one of these up until maybe next generation or maybe third generation, just because the tech is going to get a lot better. I mean, looking at how we've seen motion controls go from the Wii to the PlayStation Move, and now these these you know Vive controllers are obviously fantastic, really really good quality products. It's only been you know a handful of years, so you know I think waiting a few more years on picking this up may not be the worst of ideas because I think it's going to progress real quickly, especially if you know developers pick this up like you know CCP or you know other other companies that are doing. VR tech, it's the money's going to be there, and certainly development hours are going to be worth it to a lot of these hardware companies. So I think it, it's going to do well. Um, it's just not going to be the fantasy that I think a lot of people are, are maybe expecting at this stage, um, mostly because it's probably a little unrealistic given where we are in development for all of this stuff. Yeah, and and that's, you know, it, it is cool. And as I said, the controllers are great. I'm kind of hoping, given the amount of stuff I have and the fact that I don't think, like, the control scheme needs to be replaced anytime soon. I'm kind of hoping that maybe they could, uh, you know, like if they make a Vive 2 at some point, I could maybe buy just the headset and not the whole, you know, to-do and, and kind of get an upgrade for just the part of it that really potentially needs it. Um, I mean, the biggest, the, probably the most noticeable thing is I kind of like, one of the things I wanted to try is I wanted to try this big screen thing um, where you can put your screen as big as you want it wherever you want it in your vr space and that sounds really cool and and you know some of the advertising they'll do on on stuff like this is they'll market hey you can uh you can have us you can be in like watch imax size screens in your home and i'm like that sounds cool but the reality is is you can only make it so big before it is now outside of the narrow perception that you have i mean the big thing with say an imax screen is it covers your entire field of view so you see nothing but movie you know and that's actually when you, in in real life without a headset on that's quite a bit of space actually and it, it it looks really cool you really can't do this and that and then the other thing is i was trying to just watch like some youtube videos on it and again that video quality was terrible when you filter it through hey it's a segment of the vr screen you know no, yeah Zella, i mean we're, we're in that Zella. sorry go ahead go ahead babe. I, I was just gonna ask you know i, I remember you saying that you needed uh that you were in the you did you end up setting it up in your kitchen? Um, so I was just playing with the standing mode okay, um, okay. in front of my computer. Gotcha. And there's some challenges just to that. Um, 
It's, so I, I'm trying to figure this out. So my computer is in the room next to my kitchen, and and there's actually enough holes in the wall, not not literal holes, but just like openings, um, that yeah. I think I can actually like figure out a way to make fit these beacons on the wall, so I can just turn them to face which room I want to play in. Oh, okay. Um, that's my hope, but I haven't actually tried the room scale. Um, but so how much space do you need then? A minimum of five point five by six feet. Ugh. Um, and I come just short of that in in my in front of my computer. But so to give you an idea, stand um, like the standing setup is, um, and it's the same if you're playing a sitting game. And you could you know so it's technically standing mode, but you can you can do uh, Gunjack and and Valkyrie and stuff while sitting. Um, but in the case of room scale games, they still work. Like the lab works, but the effect is a little broken because what you do is you use like a a button on the top of your uh, a Vive controller to teleport to select where you want to go, and so you have to jump over there. And the the kind of sad part about that is, since the games were designed with room scale in mind, they'll kind of assume that you can in some cases. So like, there's this one game in the lab which you you get like this neat little catapult, and you're shoot you're you're you know flinging things around, and the restart button you is like two feet out of reach in the virtual space. You have to teleport to hit the restart button and then teleport back to the start, you know, where you're playing from. And, you know, in that room, it'd be really easy to walk two feet over and hit the button, but I'm not in room scale, you know? And then uh, the the other challenge that I, I had was, um, you know, I have, you have to wear the, you, so you put on the VR headset and then you put on your headphones on top of the VR headset and then uh, you would probably want uh, your controllers. So then after you've put on the VR headset and you can't see anymore, you need to pick up the controllers. And you, they may or may not be in the range to render in the in the VR world for you. So you have to find them. It's especially worse if you're going to play like Gunjack and you need an Xbox controller or something because you can't see them all. So I, I'm not sure how I'm going to do this in room scale, but what I was doing in the uh, standing version is that I would carefully line up everything on the table in, in order of VR headset and then uh, headphones and then controllers and then Xbox controller. And so then you would, you'd put on the headset and you'd reach, you'd find the table and reach through the items you needed. Um, and then you have the same problem when you want to take it off, you have to find the table and then you have to um, set like the controllers down so that you can take off your headphones and then set them down on the table. And then you could take the VR headset off and hopefully you actually made the table with all the things you were put it you know taking back off so i know that some of the vr headsets have um a forward-facing camera on them does the vive have one of those it does but in at no point did it tell me how to use it or if it because i mean that that seems like the obvious solution to fix that problem is that it you allows you to kind of do like a pass through where you can look through the camera so to speak and see what you have to do in this which is back and i find a little strange that that's not kind of like a core thing they push because that seems pretty important to me you know being able to actually pick up your stuff it does do that. I mean, I forget what button it is on the controllers, but you push those and then it allows you to see through. Yeah, it presented me no such button. I feel like it may have been something that it would have told me about when I was doing room scale setup, maybe. Um, but I wasn't doing room scale setup, so it never felt inclined to tell me where how to do that. Um, okay. It does have a camera. I just don't know how to use it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's important. I think that's a feature that the playstation vr does not have so i mean that's that's something certainly worth considering you know when you're kind of developing for these games or, or how you're going to play them because uh, like you said you, you almost had to go through extra motions to make sure everything was within reach so you weren't stumbling around and and that sort of thing so i mean certainly things to keep in mind when you're you're looking at these kinds of systems 
Now, I do know that uh, aside from, you know, obviously the, the headset, that they've come up with some new sort of VR backpacks. Um, that We've talked about this in the past, and, um, you know, there's some of those theme parks, the VR packs, they have their own proprietary version of it. But I know that Zotac VR uh, recently came out with a backpack that's actually for retail. Do you want to talk a bit about that, Zell? Yeah, so... Um... It, you know, there have been a couple of them that have been demoed. This is just kind of the first one to, to make it out there. Um, and uh, it's made by Zotac. And I, I know Asus is working on one and a couple others. But it has a, a, a GTX 1070 card, so it's more than adequate for VR. Um, and you get two big battery packs that you can attach to the side. Um, and uh, off you go. You know, so you get to you get to build your VR headset right into your into your back, and then you don't have cables while you're walking around. Um, but uh, and I, I think they said you get like 30 minutes of gameplay off those batteries, which is it, it's not surprising when you try to run a GTX 1070 card and a computer and a VR headset off of batteries. Um, but and it, it's a steep price though too. It's a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars is quite a bit more. Than- no, sorry, two thousand. 2000 there we go yeah i mean it's i have to laugh because i mean you look at um (laughs) you look at this backpack and it it literally looks like almost like a ps4 or something that's got shoulder straps like it looks like a console it's got kind of all the inputs on the side so um i mean it's pc obviously but it it, it does kind of make you wonder you know is that kind of the direction the consoles will start going as being something you actually carry with you with like an external power supply or, you know, is that the direction they're going to take this sort of things? I mean, you're, you're going to see it, you know, for, um, you know, a lot of games that are uh, like beyond room scale almost where you're actually going to be out and about, or you'll see a lot for um, like theme parks, like we said, where you're actually moving around, you can do lots of cool stuff and grand there's a lot more setup, but you kind of, you wonder, is this kind of a direction they'll also take it where are we making, high power computing be more portable. I mean, you see that sort of thing going on with, you know, what Nintendo's trying to do with their new console that we, we want to make it so you can do this at home or take it with you. And it's, it's a lot more than your typical mobile experience. So I think that that's something to kind of consider is, you know, just the fact of, of making a portable computer that's VR compatible. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big jump there. And it's, it's probably gonna take a while to get there. I think it's just kind of, you know, a, a high end, early adopter sort of thing. But again, this is kind of a direction we see the industry going in general in terms of portability. So a couple of things, actually. How much does that on-the-go VR thing weigh? Do we know? Well, it's a computer, so it's not light. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I figured that much, though. <laughs> but, I mean, it, yeah, but, it, I mean, it, 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 it's it, the batteries are going to be the main limiting factor, and the batteries are, are very heavy. Um, and that's where you're going to see a lot of the weight come. And, and, and like Sal said, you get, you know, uh, I think this offers two hours of battery life per charge. Um, and you can swap those out. But, you know, even at two hours each, those are probably pretty hefty size. I mean, you could probably get more, but that's going to be more of a strain to carry them with you then. So it's, you know, it's, it's you kind saying, of difficult to say. You, you, you said you saw two hours? I thought it was like 30 minutes or something. Uh, minutes. It says the Zotac VR Go offers around two hours of battery life per charge with hot right, swappable fine, batteries. It's, it's, it's really going to be 30 minutes. It's really going to be 30 honest. minutes. Let's be honest. Battery well, life yeah, lies. I mean, battery <laughs> life lies. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, um, it depends a lot on, on what you're doing, obviously. I mean, if you're running very complicated stuff, it's going to obviously shorten battery life. It's 10 pounds. That's what, yeah, the, that's that. what the Amazon page says. That's not too bad. It's got a lot of ports. It's got three HDMI ports and two display ports on it. 
Well, because you don't just have your VR headset, but the reality is you're probably at some point going to plug in a monitor, a keyboard, and a mouse to get the thing working right. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, it makes me wonder who's going to think it's a bomb first and how soon that's going to happen. Oh, babe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The first thing that came to my mind when I saw the thing, I'm like, God damn it, somebody's going to call this that's a your bomb. Fr- that's the first place your mind goes is I think it's a bomb. No, I'm the rocketeer. <laughs> I, didn't say, I thought Watch it was me a go. bomb. I didn't say I think it was a bomb. I said somebody, some old person's gonna think it's a bomb, and with my luck, it's gonna it's gonna be like fucking Florida. Florida man calls <laughs> a bomb threat that happens to be a portable VR doohickey. <laughs> Oh, you know what's gonna happen. You know what's gonna it's happen. It's just a matter I, of when. No, I, I, I you're right. You're, so you're probably right. right. It's <laughs> especially for Florida. It's, I mean, it's like what it, we said with Pokemon Go, like right? Right. I mean, it, it does have blinking lights on the back. Um, yep. All kinds of yep. electrical ports on the side. It's got vents for. for the but poison I mean, let's, gas let's, let's, be honest. let's be honest. You're not going to be walking outside with your VR headset no. on. Really? You say that. You say that. People were on the freeway with Pokemon Go, and you don't think someone's gonna walk outside with a VR headset? Like it, it will happen. Against well, Florida man gets run over by car in interstate. Florida man joins <laughs> Anonymous, starts hacking the highway central. <laughs> oh goodness! It's gonna happen. Yeah. No, it, 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 luckily, um, it is not a free-to-play mobile phone game so you probably won't see too many people walking around with these things in general i mean two grand it, it, keep in mind that's just the computer not including uh you know the headset or any of the peripherals or anything like that so i mean the the barrier of entry for this is, is very high and unless you're going to be using you know your backpack computer for your home pc as well <laughs> it, it's it's not going to happen what's the bitcoin hash rate on this thing oh god <laughs> don't get me started <laughs> all right Virtual Bitcoin farming—you have to—you have to go around to different parts of the world <laughs> and actually mine. Like you got your headset on, and you're off in some you know park with the, your VR controls, like hacking away at some place at you know trying to get bitcoins. Bitcoin Go—it's the new game. <laughs> Fuck my pickaxe broke. <laughs> oh, I, that should be a spoof video. Someone has to do that now. <laughs> okay, so. Um, Moving along with more VR stuff, Zell. So it looks like um, Ubisoft, and they're the ones that are kind of working with that Star Trek bridge crew game that we talked yes, about. Which I can now, yes, which I, I can, can now get. I'm going to have yes. a headset. Yes. So what's going on with that? You said that they're kind of following CCP's lead in terms of uh, multi, multi-platform? Yeah, so, I mean, the big the big thing, of course, is that uh, for a lot of games, it's, you know, you Oculus to play with other Oculus players, Vive to play with other Vive players. It's all very fragmented. I mean, imagine if... Uh, if uh, NVIDIA players couldn't play with AMD players, actually, that's that's a good idea. I like that. I don't want ever want to see an AMD player in my life. But you know, uh, the 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 idea is, of course, is it's a it's a pretty niche crowd. Those of us that have VR headsets, of which I now belong to, yay me. Um, and so they're they're pushing to say, hey, all of our multiplayer games are going to have cross platform play um, between all the all the VR headset platforms we supported on. Um, so that uh, so that you can play with your friends, even if they they belong to a different uh, uh, religious faction than you do. Um, yeah, I mean, that, and again, that's that's a good thing. I think we've talked about this pretty in depth. That when you've got expensive peripherals, trying to further you know fragment the player base by making it headset 
specific, it's just going to really kind of shoot you in the foot. So I think in general, it's probably best that these things remain universal. And I think even consoles are kind of going that direction as well. So I mean, it's it's not too surprising, but it definitely is good to see that happening. So speaking of you know cross compatible VR games, so <laughs> um, somebody somebody on uh, on um, the Discord channel sent me a couple of links for what's going on for uh, Valkyrie, and coming to find that was actually Jadic with a different name, and I was very confused. But do you want to tell us what's going on with the Gate Crash expansion coming to Valkyrie, Jadic? Yeah, so uh, it's day two of the Sony Experience um, showcase. And during the uh, the stream there, they had uh, Andrew uh, uh, Willens on. He's CCP Rue, the lead game designer. Um, and he was on there to talk about uh, Gate Crash, um, this new free um, kind of uh, release for E-Valkyrie. Um, this is actually going to be coming out pretty soon, December 7th. And what it is, it's a, uh, a new map and kind of a new... Um, environmental mood for it as well so it's uh based after a uh, uh a gate that's under construction in the outer rim and you have uh, like a an ice planetoid and um ice steroids is the uh the phrase that's going around for it and then you have uh, uh, a rourke and a porpoise and other mining ships kind of going around while you have the uh the valkyrie pilots fighting for defense of this uh um this orbital gate and it's really designed for a lot of like intricate nooks and crannies that uh, players can dogfight through and weave through. And um, just the, the footage that they showed is really, really awesome. And one of the uh, hooks that they they also included in it is down the uh, the the center shaft of this um, this gate is um, a warp, um, like two warp like uh, jump gates on either side, so a player can shoot into it and then be rocketed across the map to the other side of this gate. And this kind of uh, offers a little bit of back and forth for uh, multiplayer on this map. So and it's not just the map that they're rolling out. They're bringing forward a lot of different player customization aspects. Um, so now they're rolling out more um, flight suits, helmets, which is <laughs> hats and Eve. It's always an awesome thing. Awesome. There we go. Valkyrie so. <laughs> monocles, please. Yes. Yep, so they've got that, and then decals that you can get for your ship. And I believe what these um, these are unlocked through blue, uh, blueprints that you can uh, earn by missions or uh, reaching certain experience levels in Valkyrie. And then that, then you are able to craft these blueprints and decals for uh, your character or your ship, which it looks like you can put decals and colorings on the outside and interior of your cockpit. Um, and then with this, <laughs> they just keep adding more and more onto it. Uh, they're also rolling out uh, PlayStation Pro support. So that comes with, uh, uh, let me see what it's got. Uh, the patch includes increased resolution, dynamic shadows, more particles, and reduced loading times. And another uh, quick thing that they mentioned in there is, um, now with this um, done, they're going to be focusing on uh, the Valkyrie team is going to be focusing more on social aspects to the game, which uh, kind of has been lacking in a lot of ways where they, um, I don't know exactly where their uh, cross-platform communication stands, but it was difficult for a lot of people to get communication uh, between PC and the uh, PlayStation 4 users. So a lot of people had to substitute by using Discord and TeamSpeak and other player channels like that. So I imagine they're going to be rolling out more ways for people to connect and um, engage within the game network itself. Wait, so the uh, PS4 Valkyrie players and PC players play on the same 
yeah, like in the, the same matches? Yeah, that's where the shared, uh, shared <sighs> battle together kind of uh, aspect that they were shooting for. But at the same time with that rollout, they didn't come out with uh, uh, tools for people to communicate in game. So that was, was a big drop in the ball there. So people had to subs uh, supplement with using out of game third party solutions. Huh. Yeah, I mean, the, the crossplay was, was definitely a big selling point. I think, like we said earlier, you know, it, it definitely helps when you've got an expensive peripheral if you don't, you know, segment your player base by not letting people play the same game on a different headset. I mean, it's effectively the same control scheme, so you don't really run into the issues that you have with, like, keyboard versus mouse, or sorry, uh, keyboard and mouse versus, like, a, a gamepad. So, you know, I, I think it makes sense, and it's definitely a good direction to take it, especially with the, the VR stuff, but... Uh, you know, overall, from everything I've seen, I obviously don't play Valkyrie, I don't have the headset, but from what I've been seeing, kind of watching the development cycle, they, they seem to be taking things in a pretty good direction in terms of how they are supporting the game and, and releasing new content. It's not just rehashing the same stuff, they're actually trying to bring in some new elements of the gameplay, like the, the jump portal sort of thing that's going on with, with Gatecrash. Um, and then obviously monetizing it with, you know, cosmetics rather than in-game benefits and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, it's stuff I like to see for, for this sort of thing, and I think overall CCP is at least doing a pretty solid job in terms of supporting Valkyrie in, in this regard. It is also very good to see, however, that they are adding those social tools like Janik mentioned. I think that that's, as he put, a, a, a drop ball. I mean, one of the biggest things of, of EVE has always been, or, or just for that matter, was the ease of social interaction. I think that to, to, to lose that even within its own game is, is pretty pretty bad like that that seems like a, a something they should have caught early on and obviously didn't but you know if they're actually gonna tackle that and, and, and do it quickly um that'll be all the better for the community i think Alrighty, so soraya overwatch man what's going on there uh there there's a new map and uh i haven't seen much of the map but it's it's coming it's in the ptu um people have found dumb things they can do with it um Basically, there there is actually a highway with cars flying down it in the map. It's kind of the first uh, part of uh, first time Overwatch has had moving things in its map. People have figured out that you can like throw a teleport item on it, and that uh, if you're the new uh, what's her name, and then uh, you can ju uh, jump to the other side of the jump. map with it really quick. Really quick. Oh, that's cool. It makes you wonder if uh, <laughs> that's going to be an intended behavior, or if they're going to have to to nerf that because it, it breaks things. Some of the some of the stuff they're already thinking they're going to they're going to patch before live. They have confirmed though that the players have wandered out into the freeway, and you actually can be run over and killed by the you, car. You will get killed. Yes. You will get instantly. Like there's not even like a you take damage. It's just you get run no, over. No, it's and just you're dead. dead. You're dead. Yeah, I think the article actually mentioned that there was like, oh, we could have like you know frogger-like games, and apparently there's a character who actually has a uh, helmet or a headpiece that looks a bit like a frog that you could you know effectively have it's a, a skin a frogger for Lucia. Yeah. There, there yeah. you go. You could actually you know play out a, a Overwatch version of Frogger trying to dodge traffic going at 100 miles an hour down this freeway. It, it's 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 pretty funny the little videos people have already done on the player test server. Any idea when that's rolling out, or is that just kind of in testing phase right I, now? And, they don't really announce. They don't really. Blizzard just pushes Blizzard. it when they feel like it. Well, yeah, that's yeah, that's to be expected, right? Okay, hashtag then. when it's ready. Hashtag when it's ready. Right, rather than when we want to have a stupid release date on May fourteenth. Anyways, um, Nova when. So, Nova when. Um, speaking, of right, so dates, speaking of release dates. Speaking of release dates, I'll I'll just throw this in there. Um, uh, Star Citizen 2.6 with Star Marine did go to the very limited group beta. Um, no, no word on exactly when, but it's, it's staying pretty close to schedule so far. 
and so do you have to be part of the elite group to actually get access? Like, I don't think I saw an email for that for my my measly $45 I put into the game. So any idea on, on what qualifies you for that? Or is it just kind of a... Um, it's a limited group of people that uh, made the company happy by reporting good bugs and stuff like that. Gotcha. Okay, that's fair. I mean, it's, it's always good to reward those who are actually actively helping you develop rather than just, you know, playing. I mean, that's, that's fine, but it does help when you actually have people who are really helping in the testing process. So uh, once Star Marine comes out and is available for, for the both of us, we'll, we'll definitely hop on that and, and give you guys uh, a rundown on, on kind of what, what's going on there and, and kind of what to expect. So that being said, <laughs> I think that might be NDA breaking, but we'll see. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure what the oh, yeah. what the what the allowment is on that. I, I have not done much testing for for Star Citizen, but if it is available, I will stream the shit out of it. So moving along, we we had a lot of stuff come down the pipeline um, at the Game Awards this last weekend. So in in, in, in general as well. So it's not game related necessarily, but uh, so Guardians of the Galaxy got a new second trailer. Did you guys check that one out? Yeah, I, I watched it right before the show. I'm I'm amused. Yeah, but Baby Groot is going to probably be the star of the show. Um, obviously, Groot from the, the, the after credits scene that he, he survived, obviously, and now he's <laughs> tiny and regrowing. But uh, he, he is, has a tiny voice, but is just as terrifying as he apparently can throw grown men off of platforms despite being about you know 12 inches high. And so. he wants to push the button. He really wants to, yeah, push, he wants button. to push the button. <laughs> he really wants to push the button. It's it's a funny trailer, a good interaction between yeah. Rocket and the group, but uh, you know, it, have, it, it looks pretty they solid. Have, they have a new song too, so that's uh, I'm really looking forward to the volume two of what they come out with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it looks it yeah. looks really solid. And that was Fox on the Run by the Sweet. There you go. So now, in regards to gaming news there was an announcement that telltale games and this is the group that does you know the walking dead telltale game and batman and the details from the borderlands uh they are doing a guardians of the galaxy title um it, really no details on it whatsoever it was a really quick trailer like less than a minute but uh you know it just kind of saying like hey we're working on it so you're gonna you know, know what it is you're gonna know what a telltale is. game is yeah, I mean, you, you understand the gameplay. I'm not sure what the story or the timeline of, of when it happens, if it's just rehashed in the movies or, or whatever. But, uh, you know, it's it's there. Um, it's happening, which is pretty good. I mean, they, they do good work, and obviously The Walking Dead has been very successful. So, you know, that's that's good to see. Yeah, um, has anybody played the, the Batman one that they put out recently? I picked it up, but I haven't tried it yet. Okay, because everything I've seen of that, it's just, I don't know how I feel about it. I haven't played it, of course, but um, just... it's it's the first episode of it. They made it free on the Microsoft Store. Yes, yeah. So that's that's I picked it up, but I haven't I haven't actually tried it yet. Now, do you not like the the gameplay style bait, or is it the no, story itself? No, it's not. It, it's not the gameplay. I played the shit out of um, both season one, and season two of Walking Dead, and then season one of Wolf Among Us, which is fantastic. Um, and I really like that that style of, of storytelling of gameplay, but I I just don't know how well something like like a more of an action I don't know um, not setting, but yeah I, I, I just I don't know how that world works. I guess, or it would work with that kind of thing. I guess is is what I'm getting at. Okay, fair enough. I was just curious because I mean, that's obviously the type of gameplay is not for everyone. So I was wondering if that was it or if it was just the, the story. 
Yeah, speaking of which, actually, I think The Walking Dead is getting a season three now um, of the Telltale game version, which is which is going to be pretty cool as well. They, they released a trailer for that uh, at the, the this last weekend. I must have missed that one. Yeah, I think it's following. Again, I haven't played them, so I, I don't know much about the details. But I think it's following a new protagonist, so it's a it's a different arc, but kind of obviously the same setting. Um, so oh. if you want to go check oh. that out, it's it's uh, it is yeah, available right now. Yeah, we'll, we'll get a link in the description for everyone as well. So uh, again, like a lot of trailers came out at the game show awards. So uh, one interesting one, and I, I got to talk a bit about this one because. Uh, it's just cra- absolute craziness. So, uh, Death Strandings, and this is the new uh, Hideo Kojima game that uh, is in production. And you might have remembered uh, the trailer back at E3 featuring uh, Norman Reedus, who is you know, Daryl from The Walking Dead, uh, basically laying in a muddy field, a bunch of dead crabs, and he is naked, and then picks up a small baby that he is tied to with an umbilical cord, and then the baby disappears, and we all scratched our heads, going, "What the fuck, Kojima? Have you gone crazy?" Um, so that was, that was a, a, you know, a bit of a hot topic for, for what, what is going on with this death, this death stranding game that he's working on. So, uh, when he won this award, um, at the, 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 the game show award, he said, Hey, you know, thanks for getting me this. And I brought you a gift. And the gift was another trailer for death stranding. And this one features, um, the film director del Toro, who is walking, you know, kind of again through this muddy field with all these dead crabs, and he's holding this this device. And uh, there's lots of crazy stuff going on, kind of this surrealist thing where there's these, you know, like World War II bombers flying with these black trails behind them and stuff like that. And um, Del Toro is looking very concerned and, and kind of like, what the hell is going on? And you see uh, this tank roll by with these soldiers following, and there's this black tar going all over. You'll have to see it to kind of understand what's going on. And he's holding this device, and he reaches down and pulls kind of this umbilical cord that he's got coming out of somewhere on him and plugs it into the side of it, and the cover of this device kind of becomes transparent. You see that there's a baby inside, um, which is kind of hooked up again to that cord. And so he kind of holds this thing, and he turns and starts going down this tunnel, um, and then you see these soldiers come out that have skulls for heads and it's it's very weird and uh mads mickelson who is uh he plays hannibal in the tv show for hannibal or he was also the the villain in the most recent doctor strange movie uh he comes out and he looks all evil and it's again kind of some weird stuff and so the whole thing is very again what the fuck uh just no idea what's going on i mean I'm, i'm very interested to see what kind of game this is um but What's interesting is that Kojima said, okay, here's my new trailer. That's pretty cool. I really think you guys should go back and, and watch the first one again and see if you notice anything interesting. And, of course, the Internet being very smart as it is, someone realized that if you play both of the trailers back-to-back, um, starting at the same time, uh, the events of the first one are playing, and when Norman Reedus is holding the baby and the baby disappears, at that exact moment is when the Del Toro guy plugs in the device and the baby appears inside his trailer. So in effect, the baby is transferred from one trailer to the next, which is, you know, it's one of those things that Kojima loves to do where he'll plug in little secrets that are not so obvious, but really interesting into his trailers or his games or stuff like that. Um, so I'm guessing that was intentional and that was kind of his, his intent. And I think Kotaku released an article about this 
saying, hey, this this person figured this out, and this is really interesting, and then Kojima retweeted the article on his Twitter feed. So chances are that is what he was going for. So I do suggest you go and check it out, because it will not tell you anything about what the game is about, other than it's really weird, but it is masterfully done. It, it's, you know, the, the Fox engine, which is Kojima's, you know, engine that his, his studio has developed, is, is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and, you know, it's just really really cool trailer it looks great and you know if you're interested at all in the kinds of games that he produces um definitely taking, uh, worth taking a look at um oh one more thing i forgot uh so del toro was actually the director who was helping him work on the silent hills game that was canceled this is the game that uh you would see kind of the the reveal for if you played the game the uh, demo pt that was available and then obviously deleted eventually um, but if you completed the, the demo for PT, you would see that, you know, it's a Hideo Kojima game, Silent Hills, um, and that was canceled. So uh, chances are any ideas they had for that or, you know, uh, they were able to take, you know, Del Toro, obviously, they, they brought him with, and he's now involved in this Death Strandings uh, project. So um, real interesting stuff. Um, I'm always curious to see what he come with, Kojima comes up with because he's got some some crazy ideas, but for the most part, you know, develops pretty pretty solid quality games, even if they're not necessarily your personal preference and style. So go check out that trailer for sure. I love seeing some of the memes that have come out of this. Uh, it was like one in particular. The the guy who was holding the baby in the, the vat there, someone um, replicated that scene from um, Neon Genesis Evangelion with uh, Gendo yep. Akari <laughs> holding an yep. angel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I've seen the fan theories already. It's they're they're of course hilarious and ridiculous, but the but even Gellian reference caught my eye because that's you know something I'm I'm familiar with as well, and it's it's pretty funny. So other trailers that came out, bait. You want to tell us a little bit about uh, Halo Wars two? I, I know you obviously haven't played it because it's not out yet, but I, you were mm-hmm. familiar with Halo Wars one, correct? Um, yes and no. <laughs> Um, I played about 15 minutes ahead of the first Halo Wars, uh, standing in a GameStop in a mall. Um, I'm really bad at RTS games, so I don't normally play them, but I thought that, you know, the idea of a strategy game in, uh, in the Halo universe was a cool idea. Um, and it really is. It, it, I mean, it works. Um, the, the Halo universe, you know, kind of sets itself up for, for that kind of game, you know, the, the idea, um large-scale battles, you know, between two or more factions, you know, moving your shit around from, you know, go here, go there, this, that, and the other, um, as you would normally do in an RTS game. So it works, and, um, you know, the little bit that I played of, of the first Halo Wars was really good, um, and, you know, I, I didn't buy it because, you know, like I said, I'm bad at uh, RTS games, and nobody really wants to play a game that they're bad at. <laughs> um, but the, oh, when was this, the end of the summer, maybe? or middle of the summer the beta for halo wars 2 came out um yeah i i didn't know they were making a second one until i saw an uh, advertisement for it on my on my xbox so i thought eh, okay i so and i downloaded the the beta and i played it for uh but two days maybe um was how long the thing was over the weekend so i played that i really really liked it um i was bad i was still bad at it but i i enjoyed it um the it, it was really easy to understand um and it, it was just fun uh you know despite again you know being bad at it um and so i guess they uh released a trailer um that kind of sets up the story um for 
the for Halo Wars two. Um, so it was, uh, it was a well done trailer. I thought um, kind of gave you uh, the background on the uh, the villain um, in in the game. So that's about all I got from the trailer. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like it was pretty much focused around around story building and not mm-hmm. necessarily gameplay. Mm-hmm. But I, I imagine the gameplay probably wouldn't vary too much from the first one. There's obviously no. going to be enhancements, I'm no. sure. But uh, yeah, you know, that's that's yeah. that's good stuff. I mean, so yeah, if you're a fan of the Halo universe and you like RTS games, um, probably taking it worth a take a shot at and see what you think. Um, but yes, yeah, so that that came out. And that was that was pretty interesting. Now I will let uh, Bait and, and Zell and, and perhaps Jadik ooze over this one so mass effect andromeda had some gameplay come out do you guys want to kind of talk about that one i am so excited for this game and this trailer you know just just it it made me even more excited um for for mass effect andromeda and the thing i think that really stood out to me just watching this um was was the verticality it seems like just about every Every game this year that's come out, um, that's been a, a big game, has, you know, has some focus on reality, right? Call of Duty was that this year? We're kind of losing you there, I think. Yeah, I want to check your mic. You said no, that there's um, no. a focus verticality. on verticality that's Vert- come out of the game. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, like, you know, most of the recent shooters that you know that have come out of have focused on this idea of of you know being able to go up instead of making combat just a thing that's on the ground it's it's moving toward the uh toward the skies which i think is a great place for it to go um and it really adds a new dynamic to uh it, especially to a game like mass effect um i know i got you know there were points in in the various games where i got really annoyed that I couldn't go to certain spots to get to get right above enemies. Um, so I think this will be a nice change um, uh, to the series, you know, along with all the other um, changes that they're that they're uh, going to implement with this iteration. It's also been pretty impressive. The uh, they did the uh, it's a re- uh, it's like a recruitment system, and they're r- rolling out um, mission briefings for this whole Andromeda initiative. So far, I believe there's two out. So just kind of giving you a background on the uh the arcs that are carrying humanity uh, 600 years it's like a people are in cryosleep for 600 years as they travel to the andromeda system what about you Zell? are you are you excited for for andromeda i know that uh, I, I'm, very excited. I, I'm excited i mean it looks good i again i haven't got a chance to go through all the games yet i, I know that that's a, a grave sin but uh you know it, it, it looks fantastic and obviously you've got a lot of strong player base behind it so I can only imagine that they'll, they'll probably put out a, a pretty good quality product, and it's definitely some very cool gameplay in that trailer that they released. Really interesting ideas too. Um, I just uh, I'll, I'll, when I watched the the gameplay earlier today, it it reminded me, or it, it gave me the impression that you know it, they're focusing a lot on survival uh, this go around, and you know this idea of of having to craft all your gear, it felt very much like, you know, like a proper RPG. You know, that's not to say that the other Mass Effects weren't an RPG. They were in their own sense. But it seems like Bioware have created a more uh, fuller uh, world and a fuller um, RPG uh, this go around, which I really like. 
I mean, that's that's good to see. You hate to see it just be, you know, a rehashing of Mass Effect 3 and with a new skin. So it's good to see that they're they're really, truly expanding it and kind of working on how can we make the gameplay feel deeper and more engaging. And I think that, you know, survival games are um, much more popular these days. I think people are, are drawn to the idea that you, you're, you're not invincible. You kind of have to be thinking about what you're doing beyond the scope of the moment-to-moment uh, combat or gameplay and and think about you know balancing resources and crafting and, and surviving and whatnot so you know that sort of stuff really interests me as well so it's, it's definitely going to be good to see where they take that and it could be a good entry point for a lot of people in the series as well especially since you know it's kind of taken a, a time skip forward it may not be as critical that you have played the previous games if you do want to kind of hop in on on mass effect and, and start with andromeda even if you you know aren't so interested in, in trying out the original trilogy which you're a broken person if that's how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some people are like that though. I mean, that's as a as a game developer, you have to understand that people may not want to play all of the previous content. They may just want to hop in on the newest stuff and if you don't facilitate that to some extent, you're potentially losing out on on a, on a buyer and a customer that may stick with you moving forward. So, I can understand why they would do it. I mean, it, it's certainly you raise a good point that, you know, you should play the the original stuff because it is high quality and it is worth your time, but, you know, at the same time I, I kind of get that they may want to make this a little more approachable. The game also feels a lot more open. Like the entire world, the entire um solar system feels, you know, just it feels like you can go to more places and that there are, you know, consequences for being able to go to to more places, if that makes sense. For sure. So anything else on that, guys, before we move along here? Alrighty then. So um, again, there's a, a lot more trailers that came out. It's we can't possibly go into all of them, but I'm going to name off a couple of them that you you probably have been tracking to an extent. Um, so there's a game called Dauntless that was announced. Um, and again, it, it's a cinematic trailer. It's not really a, a gameplay trailer, but it kind of featured uh, four characters that were they, they seem to be class based. They were you know very distinctive and, and unique, um, and they were what seemingly was chasing after like a big monster. And this obviously brings back thoughts of the game evolve where it was, you know, four characters versus one, which was much stronger, but the four worked together to, to you know, kill the monster. So it kind of looked like evolve, but with swords uh, instead of, you know, a space age, you know, guns and stuff like that. So, you know, if that is kind of the direction it's going, I, I do hope that they uh, don't fail like evolve did. So, cause I, I like that idea of as- as- you know, asymmetric gameplay, but uh, it is, difficult to do and it would be good to see someone succeed in pulling it off properly uh another one prey um obviously one that people have been watching for a while that got a new trailer looked pretty cool um lots of crazy stuff going on with bending space and warping all over the place so uh definitely worth checking that one out uh lawbreakers that's kind of the the arena type shooter that's got you know all kinds of crazy gravity stuff and you're jumping all over the place and that, that looked interesting and uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild uh, had some more gameplay trailers and, and stuff like that. Um, that's obviously coming out for Wii U and the new Nintendo system. So if you're a Zelda fan, definitely worth taking a look at that as well. So trailers aside, um, Zell, you happen to found um, what they're calling a Legend of Zelda Escape the Room experience. And so for those who aren't familiar with Escape the Room style um attractions basically the idea is that you are locked in a room uh, usually with a group of people and the goal is to uh escape the room and it's basically a series of puzzles where you are you know maybe looking through a book to find 
you know, a clue that allows you to open up a safe, which gets you the handle to crank the door or whatever, and you get the key, and then you can get out of the room. And it, it's kind of that style of thing. And it looks like that Nintendo is partnering with kind of a, a more prevalent escape the room uh, company to create a Zelda-themed one, which is going to be uh, touring around the country. So do you want to tell us a bit about what you found out, Zell? I just know they're going to stop in Chicago, and I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to be obligated to do it. And they're going to announce dates for the rest of the locations in January. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at uh, San Francisco, which is January 31st through February, February 5th, L.A., which is February 10th to the 12th, San Diego, which is February 24th to the 25th. Um, and then there's Seattle, Phoenix. So I'll, I'll definitely check it out when it comes to Phoenix, um, Houston, Chicago, and New York. So those are all to be announced. But uh, yeah, they were they were kind of talking a bit about it, and they said that it's it's going to vary a bit from what your traditional escape room experience is, in that it's going to be a bit larger scale. Um, it's a big area rather than a small room, and so it, it's going to feature you know, elements that you would experience from Legend of Zelda, like you might be walking around and talking to Gorgons or Zoras and, and doing different stuff like that to, to kind of, you know, again, you're, you're trying to accomplish a goal. It may not be escaping a room per se, but it's Zelda-style puzzles and kind of Zelda-style gameplay. Um, I think this is absolutely fantastic. It's it's really cool stuff. I, I enjoy Escape the Room-style uh, stuff like that, but uh, you know, seeing a, a video game twist on it is definitely a first and, and very cool. It's, it's a shame that it, it's not permanent, but I am happy to see that it will be coming to Phoenix, so I can, I can check that out. All right, Zell. So I don't really watch TV, but it sounds like there's some superhero show crossovers going on. What's going on with that, man? So, yeah, last week they did um, this gigantic um, four-part four crossover between um, Supergirl, The Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow, which is all of the CW's DC Comics superhero shows. Um, so suffice to say they had more characters in it than, like, the entirety of the Justice League movie will. Um, it was it was kind of ridiculous in, in some parts. Um, and it, it actually, it was kind of more of a three-part, because really there was just kind of a preview at the end of Supergirl, because her 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 universe is a completely different universe, so they just, like, grab her at the end of that for um, to bring her into the other other universe where they're going to do the whole whole big three-part thing. And they, they did a very, very cliche, classic alien invasion plot, um, and uh, it's just, it's just fun. Um, my, my favorite comment there is, uh, they have, they have, uh, Arrow is a very grounded show, there's not a lot of super powered things there, and then of course they go all the way up to like Legends of Tomorrow where they have a time ship. And uh, Diggle, who's one of the, the characters in Arrow, who's always like completely flabbergasted when the Flash is around or anything, because he's just like, wow, you're fast. Um, they had the time ship show up and he's just sitting, he's just standing there. He's completely, completely still. He's just like, you know, I never did drugs when I was younger. Cause I was afraid I'd see something weird. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And so it's just, it was, it was a lot of fun. They put together, um, you know, a, a ton of characters in different ways and, and had fun with it. So, um, I, I was a big fan. It's good to hear. Yeah, I, I'm not one that that has cable, so I don't I don't watch that stuff. But it, it's good to see that they're actually CW's network. CW's there. network, man. Is it really? Hmm. Yeah, it's like the fourth network, the one you never hear about. Hear about. Okay. 
Yeah, and I'll I'll, I'll love to see. I again, it's it's something I usually don't get into, but I, I do I do like to see that they're being successful with their their TV ventures, even if their movie ones are uh, not Suck. as successful as Suck. they would like. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it seems that they can put together a pretty good uh, hour long show uh, in a series. So that's good to see that they're, they're doing cool crossover stuff and, and kind of giving a proper expanded universe so are they kind of maintaining that whole the tv show is completely separate from the movie universe thing is that kind of oh, yes. they're oh, yes. oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. i mean the thing is is dc's always said well you know you have different earths and different um you know different multiverses and so this is you know a- as it is arrow and the arrow flash legends of tomorrow universe is different than the supergirl universe gotcha yeah, but I then mean, sometimes they like cross over right well, I mean, as long as it, it is entertaining and isn't overly confusing, um, you know, it's it, whatever works, right? Yep. Okay, so uh, Final Fantasy fifteen. That's one I've been ranting about for a long time, and they're all probably, probably sick of me talking about it. But it did come out this week. Um, I have not had a ton of time to play, but I have been playing it. I'm on Chapter 3 of what I believe is 15 total. Um, so not too deep into the story. Um, so... I'm not going to give a proper review until I, I actually get more into it and kind of give a, a full fleshed out idea of, of what's going on. But um, for the most part, so far, it's pretty good. Um, you you don't often see a lot of problems crop up for games that are in production for as long as this one has been, which is 10 years. Uh, but, you know, it's it's pretty solid. I mean, from what I've seen so far, I'd say it's probably eight and a half, nine out of 10. You know, it, it's not perfect. It's, you know, solidly above average, but overall it, it, it does quite well. Um, music's great. Uh, the battle system is deceptively simple, but engaging. Like it's, they come out and they go, okay, well you hold down square and you dodge everything and you hold down circle and you endlessly attack the weapon you have equipped. And that seems overly simplistic until you actually like start fighting things and you realize that just holding the button down does not work. You actually have to be tactical about where you move and what weapons you use and what kind of magic you use. And you're often you know, warp striking all over the place to you know dodge things and blocking at the right time, and it it really is deceptively simple, but it is interesting and it's tactical, but it's not overly complicated too. So it's definitely an approachable um, battle system. So uh, props for that one. Uh, music is fantastic. Um, voice acting is actually better than I thought it would be from the trailer. Some of the the, the gameplay trailers they showed, I was a little cringy. Um, but for the most part, like it actually feels pretty organic and, and good while you're you're playing the game. Uh, the the people that you're that are that are going with the main character, I really actually latched onto the banter. Um, they they provide in a sense a tutorial or hints to what you're doing without it, you know, uh, you know, blinking in your face. Like for example, like the fishing mini game. Um, one of the mechanics is that you have an item which is your fishing line, and as you catch fish, the um, depending on how well you catch them, the fishing line loses durability. And it doesn't really tell you this, but as you're fishing, and I fit, caught a couple fish, and it was getting a little low, and I didn't really know what it meant. And one of the main character's friends says, uh, "Hey, your line's looking a little, a little, um, you know, rough. You might want to replace it." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And I went to the menu and I replaced the line, and it was it was a nice way for them to go to give you little hints about, hey, you might be doing this wrong without it popping up on the menu in your face. And I think that's that's really good. That feels good. Um, in the same way that they'll they'll be talking kind of, you know, off to the side, they're effectively giving you tidbits of lore that 
may not be critical for the game, but if you you, you kind of hear it during the battle, you know, like I'm fighting and then you know, it goes, oh, well, that guy's weak to fire. Um, and you, you mean, sure, you could dive into the menu and actually look at that. But if you're just listening to what they're talking about, you, you kind of get a sense of what you need to be doing without it you know, being in your face. I, I really like that. Um, the road trip mechanic where you have to drive around everywhere. Some people complained about um, the distance, which I think is kind of funny because it's supposed to be an open world game. So you're supposed to have to go long distances to, to do things. But uh, um, I thought it was kind of going to be gimmicky. And actually, I, I really kind of liked it because... Um, in the game, you don't want to be out at night. The really powerful monsters spawn at night, and you'll be severely outleveled. Like, you'll just get your ass kicked. So you really don't want to be out too much at night. And so it kind of turns into this sort of planning, like, okay, I know I have to drive from this place to this place. There's a quest on this area, and I can maybe camp here if I have to, and I have to manage my gas. And, you know, it, I thought it was going to be kind of annoying, but at the same time, it was kind of fun to plan it all out and go, okay, well, there's a parking stop here. So I'll pull over, I'll park here. I'll hop out and you know, gather those resources and I'll go do this bounty that I have. And then I'll hop back in the car and, and go on to my destination. I should get there around eight o'clock. Um, that was actually really fun for me. I, I, I've actually latched onto it a lot more than I thought I would. So in terms of that meta, um, it, it actually feels really good and it is fun. Um, combat feels great. Like I said, it, it's, it's better than, than you would think just by reading about it. Um, as for what I didn't really like, not a whole lot so far. It, it, it's it's not. I haven't played enough to really get into the story to go I like or dislike this. But for the most part, it feels like it's going forward pretty well. Um, as for story, they say that watching Kingsley, which is the movie, um, and watching Brotherhood, which is the anime, is standalone and not necessary. I will say that you can play the game perfectly fine and not see those things, and you will understand what's going on. But if you really want to understand what's going on, go watch those things. Like it's, It is important. It's not critical for the story, but it does provide really good context. They will reference it constantly. Um, and they'll, they'll show you little tidbits. Like They'll talk about, like, oh, what happened in the Crown City? And they'll, they'll actually show you a small clip from the Kingsglaive movie um, kind of saying, Hey, go watch the movie. If you really want to know what happened. Um, so I, I do highly suggest that if you are going to pick up 15, that you do see the movie and do uh, see the anime, which is the anime is free on, uh, on YouTube, I believe. So you should, you should be able to go check that out for free if you like, but the movie um, you can purchase, I think either uh, online or I think they have physical copies as well. Um, as for glitches, there are glitches, um, nothing that's been game breaking, like where I've had to, restart the game because it froze or i wasn't able to do something it's mostly funny graphical glitches like one one hilarious one that i was laughing pretty hard on was um an enemy dropped down and he kind of shot out this this like uh grappling hook with on a tether and it latched onto my character and he started draining my magic out and i couldn't do anything i couldn't react and i thought okay well i've got to have one of my buddies take him out so I can, you know, get away. And the game lets you issue commands to your, your companions say like, okay, I want this guy to use this attack. You know, it's not as in depth as like a traditional final fantasy, but it is like a, you know, you charge up this meter and you can use the charge to have them execute this move. So I tell Gladio, who is kind of a big guy with the great sword, use your Tempest attack. And that's kind of this big sweeping attack that doesn't knock back. And I want you to attack this guy who's, who's draining my magic. So he runs up and he hits the guy, and the guy gets knocked back. But the thing is, he's still tethered to me. And so the game didn't know what to do. So instead of detethering, he just started spinning around me endlessly. Like, 
<laughs> like like a like a yo-yo almost and um eventually they i couldn't i couldn't hit him and my companions couldn't hit him. he's the only enemy left so they're chasing him around in circles as he's rotating around my character stuck with this stupid tether thing um and eventually it, the game figured out what the hell to do and, and it i was able to kill the guy and, and move on but you know it, it's it's stuff like that where it's, it's almost funny. It's, it's immersion breaking, which is bad, but the glitches are funny and they aren't, you know, something that's, that's really hindering the gameplay in a, in a significant sense. So um, yeah, expect glitches. If you're playing the game, I'm not sure what their plan is on fixing them or not. I mean, I know the developer kind of said glitches are going to happen in a world this big. Cause it's kind of indicative of open world games. We'll work to fix what we can, but keep in mind that, you know, weird shit might happen. And, and you know, I'll, I'll accept that as, as reasonable, um like i said it hasn't been anything that that's ruined my experience or made me pissed off or have to restart the game or anything bad like that it's mostly just kind of like scratching your head going okay that was weird um but yeah so i'll I'll obviously come back to this once i've I've played a bit more of it and give you a proper review um of my thoughts and and and, and so forth but uh yeah final fantasy 15 if you are new to the series and like kind of that action style game i think it's definitely worth checking out i would see um the movie and the anime uh if you can it will help to kind of fill in the gaps of the story um and if you're a longtime fan absolutely um pick it up it is it is a solid game it it does not suffer from a lot of the problems you see from games in long production but uh yeah it, it is a it is a good game um it's not the most amazing game ever it's very solidly above average like i said like eight and a half nine out of ten you know it's definitely worth your time so um, yeah, it is a good game for, for people who are familiar with the series or new to the series. So I do suggest you check it out. Did, I, now I know the world is big. Does the world feel empty at all? No, not at all. Actually, huh. there's huh. you you go to rest stops or gas stations and talk to the the you know the people there, and they'll they'll populate your map. And there's rest stops everywhere. And whenever I talk to them, I'm like Jesus, there's a lot of shit that I can go to. Um, tons of hunts to go after um i mean i i hopped on a chocobo which is the the big birds you can ride around and just went like riding up into the mountains to see what was there and found this like secret boss like it was that sort of stuff where the game is gorgeous that you you kind of want to go look around and you will tend to find something if you do um even if you don't go to the points of interest the game provides to you there is stuff to be found items monsters rare stuff um the game is lush it's not flat i mean i'm in the dusk sky region right now and it's very mountainous so i mean there's this big valley and this giant lake that you can go down or you can go up into the mountain ranges and look around there's these meteors you can go check out it feels very alive and populated and, I'm, and that is an issue that i've obviously complained about with open world games because i I hate when they're done poorly because it's a lot of open, empty space, not much to do in it. I'm not getting that feel from this. I feel like there's actually stuff to do. It feels like the open world serves a purpose other than just being big. It's big because there's lots of stuff in it, and that's that's critical. And I think this is a good example of doing open world the right way, um, especially since you're in a car. It has to be big because you get places really quickly because you're in a car. Um, but like I said, if, if you're playing the game, don't be afraid to pull over on the side of the road and hop out and take a look around. Like it's not just point to point there. There is stuff to be found. If you, you know, go off the beaten path and, and actually look for it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's my preliminary review of final fantasy 15. Um, like I said, I'll, I'll circle back and give you a proper review when I've actually completed the game, but, uh, yeah, so definitely worth checking out. Uh, one small more thing for the show here before we bring it for a close. So, 
Zell, it looks like CCP is finally going to actually let um, the window lickers in and, and give uh, <laughs> give tours of their studios. So uh, what's going on with that? Well, I mean, it's always been kind of possible to get a tour, but it's it's been um, not as clear on what you have to do to get one. And so they've, they've made an official policy that you can clearly see and read what you need to do to get your um, tour. And uh, while it does mention that the policy applies to all of their sites, um, they they are also specifying that really they only give tours normally um, in in Iceland. Yeah, and they they kind of specify some conditions like you know if you are given a tour, there are certain areas where you are allowed to take video and pictures. Um, development areas is definitely not one of them. You're not allowed to take photos of whatever they're working on on their screens. I mean, that's 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 a given. Um, they they offer tours during regular business hours. I mean, it's all pretty common sense stuff. But it, it basically, if if you want a tour, make sure you give them two weeks head notice. They're going to kind of send out a questionnaire of, of information of, of what 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 to expect from people that are coming. If it's a group, if it's an individual, that sort of thing, um, and and they'll try to accommodate you. So I mean, that's that's pretty cool. And, and like Zell said, they usually only give tours of the Reykjavik office, which is in Iceland, um, but they obviously have uh, one in the in Atlanta, one in London, one in Newcastle, and then of course Shanghai. Um, and they 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 do offer that on a case by case basis. So it's not something that they are necessarily compelled to do, but you know, if you contact them, they're like, Hey, and I'm you can't be- take and pictures, you- but if you see anything about Nova, tell us, tell, tell, us. Us. tell us, because you haven't signed anything at that point. Hopefully don't sign anything, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, if you, I'm guessing if you're like, Hey, listen, I'm in Shanghai on business and I really want to come by and check you guys out. My guess is they'll they'll probably let you take a, a stop by and, and take a look around. I mean, it seems like they'll, they're probably willing to do that. It's just not a, you know, expect to show up any day of the week and, and they'll be good to go. It, it's just, you know, give them head notice. And, and they, of course, that we'll get a link in the description um, for the, the podcast here. But uh, there's a list of stuff they kind of just like basic normal heads up stuff. It's nothing crazy. But, uh, you know, if you are around one of their offices and, and you know, have a a group or, or someone who who wants to go see just give them a ring and, and see if they can accommodate you so that's that's pretty cool stuff and yeah, you can see the wall of swords in iceland just to clarify ccp do require that you sign a visitor nda uh okay. when you go uh, on visit damn it. damn it because i think the post was saying that you know there is stuff on the whiteboards and obviously you can't take pictures of that but they're not going to erase their you know shit on the whiteboards just so inky dinky nerd can come look at ccp yeah i mean don't don't violate an nda and, and tell us something you're not legally allowed to but uh, but but you knowing know, at least you will want tell to... you you can act superior to everyone who doesn't know if you go that's true and, and you can bring gifts and bribe the developers and be like yo you want to push that alpha out a little bit sooner you know I'm, there's pizza in for it you know i mean i don't think there's there's any policy against bribery at ccp so you're, you're probably good to go with that one or Jada can offer them all the drugs that he has accumulated throughout Eve and, and everyone <laughs> <laughs> royally wasted. <laughs> all right. So anything else, guys, before we bring us in for a close? We're, we're kind of past the hour mark here. Well, there's been some kind of – it's a little bit of a breaking development. There's uh, – I'm going to murder his name, but it's uh, Uriel Antonovanucci. Uh, he was going through character customization on uh, the Singularity server, and he found a quote-unquote bug feature that turns characters into what looks like the Jove morphotype. And then how it's done 
is if you go into, um, it looks like it only works for female characters right now, but if you go into the eyeliner presets, one of them ends up morphing your, uh, your entire face into what looks like the Jove because it makes you, it makes you bald. It really accentuates your jawline, your, uh, your brow. And, uh, yeah, maybe there's something in the, uh, waiting in the wit, uh, in the midst there for it, new backstory in the Jove. Especially after those, did, didn't those dudes jump in the Joe's base or some stupid <sighs> shit like that or whatever that was? Apparently one of them was the dev, so it was probably both, both devs working on something for uh, maybe an upcoming feature tour. Man, I was really excited about that, that maybe somebody figured some stupid internet No, devs use Joe's space for all sorts of stuff. <sighs> Damn it, Jantic. You got me all excited. <laughs> But I got the, the, the trick to work just now on uh, the test server myself. It looks pretty wild. I like it. It's only on female characters, you said, right? Right. Huh. Okay. That's pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot of stuff going on at EVE right now in terms of, you know, them moving to the alpha clone system and all that sort of thing. So, I mean, it's, it's suffice to say that they're probably running into a few bugs and whatnot, but... Uh, you know, for the most part, it is always cool to see little things and, and exploits pop like that and get a little look into the inner workings of what's going on in the game. And Definitely worth uh, checking out if you are able to. Yeah, Jack just posted the... <laughs> that is terrifying, <laughs> the, the oh, picture yeah. of the, oh, the glitch yeah. here. Holy crap. Yeah, we'll have to maybe get that uploaded and we can, we can get a link somewhere for people to uh, take a look at. Uh, but that being said, anything else before we go into shoutouts, guys? Alrighty, all right, Zell, you're up, man. I I have really nothing for you except to say, Jadik, I I really do. I platonically love you. You're a fantastic human being. <laughs> Thank you. And apparently, a pretty good DEA agent too. I I, th- I think. I mean, if you if you're ever looking for a real life job, you might want to call them up. See if they're see if they're hiring. <laughs> Use PC I'll, Magazine as a I'll, character reference. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you'd be like, look, I'm already getting you guys good press, but. The, I mean, the only risk you have to be aware of is that I'm pretty sure the DEA frowns on using using drugs collected for other purposes. Yeah, yeah, that might be a, a little hang-up. A little hang-up. <laughs> like Alpha Win. All right, Bait, you're up, man. Uh, yeah, I'd like to give uh, my shout-out to Incorruptibles and my corporation. It's been fun flying with you guys and Eve, having a fucking amazing time. Um, what else? D- yeah, so shout out to Darth Carbonite. Darth Carbonite have we 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 have fun in Eve. Um, and recently I fucked up and uh, let Darth follow me into uh, the, the the place in Eve that I live in, and he has been using that to his advantage um, to constantly fuck with me uh, in game. So that's been really fun. Um, and then I think my final shout is going to go uh, is going to go to those. Who are those guys in Dusk Vets that set up the uh, the Citadel in Molden Heat? I cannot think of their names off the top of my head, but you know who you are. Um, so one day I will make my way out there and and visit. And uh, that Citadel's been set up, uh, from what I understand, to commemorate um, all of the, the Dust Marks. Yeah, I heard about that. That's that's pretty cool stuff. If I uh, ever load up Eve and get my Alpha clone, I might uh, zip on over there and, and see what's going on. So that's that's pretty cool. Uh, Jadik, shout-outs, man? Uh, I'd like to give a shout-out once again to CCP for the Ascension release. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun shooting new players and using that as a form of communication to recruit them. So killing as a means of communication is well alive. 
That's fantastic. Um, and my shout out this week is going to go to uh, Casual Care Bear. Um, he so studiously found videos for our 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 good friend Bait um, to help him find a date. They are dating videos, and you know we we are going to actually force feed Bait these videos so he can indeed find a date, and, and we'll of course get links for them up on his dating uh, profile on datesforbait.com. Um, I still have to update his profile picture to his um, proper Bob Ross photo um, because that is, of course, what bait looks like and he looks like nothing else. So uh, <laughs> this week, you'll be, be, sure, be sure to check out uh, Dates for Bait. I'll get it up on Twitter as well. Um, we'll get all of the information, all of the photos, all of the videos and our ongoing quest to find a date for bait. <laughs> He's like, oh god, why? <laughs> He's like, why? Why did I post that picture of my costume? I'm like, this is, this is what happens. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good sport about it. But uh, yeah, so I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I want to thank Jadik for for showing up and uh, talking about his shenanigans with his DEA agent and Eve Online. It, it's always great to see uh, content being developed in that way for by, by the players for the players. So that's that's good stuff. Uh, but yeah, shout out to everyone who tunes in for the show either on the stream on our Twitch account or on our website or if you're picking us up on the recording. I want to thank you for all your support. Um, thank you for the emails with wonderful dating videos for bait. It's, it's, it's good stuff. So keep those coming. Um, again, if you want any topics for uh, just news or discussion, um, let us know. Um, we obviously didn't do a, a Nova discussion this week because we had so much news to do from uh, the Game Awards and all the other stuff that's been going on. We'll, we'll probably try to get back to that uh, next week. But if you have any particular things you want us to talk about, uh, you know, even if it's even an old topic, it, it might be worthwhile revisiting the new lights. Since, you know, obviously, a lot of time has probably passed. Uh, just let us know. We'll, we'll hop on that. So. Uh, that being said, uh, without much further ado, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and have a good night and please be safe.